Hello, everybody, and welcome to the October 8th, 2020 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I am your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Ephraim Josine. And ladies and gentlemen, last night was the vice presidential debate between Vice President Mike Pence and Senator and Joe Biden's running mate, Kamala Harris. It was moderated by Susan Page of USA Today fame. And let me tell you, I watched it, and you'd think that... It was pretty okay, given what the media talked about. We'll start off with what the media talked about. Uh, it was not okay. I was watching it with my family, and to be honest, it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Now, was it as bad as the first debate? No, this was just boring. Um, however, that doesn't mean that it wasn't infuriating. Yes, I was bored and infuriated, and that was because of one force. One force, and that force is, of course, Mike Pence. Now, I figured I should start off just by talking about all the media hype around it. For instance, you may have heard that a fly landed on Mike Pence's head for two straight minutes. And I'm just sitting there wondering, did that fly know what was going on? Do flies have the ability to know what they're doing? Because I honestly think there is something going on here where flies are intentionally disrupting these debates. There are a bunch of violent anarchists, okay? I mean, we know a fly nearly crawled into Barack Obama's mouth. Now, we know, and in 2016, a fly temporarily, and by temporarily, I mean it was a blink and you miss it, um, landed on and then took off of Hillary Clinton's head. This fly stayed on Mike Pence's head for a disturbingly large amount of time. Like, a disturbingly large amount of time. Um, Mike Pence, of course, was in his normal getup of having disturbingly small eyes and ears that look like he's a Vulcan. Seriously, he has Spock ears. Uh, he also continuously stared at Kamala Harris in such a way where I'm pretty sure he thought he had laser eyes and was trying to use it against her. I think that's where the accusations of misogyny are coming from, by the way. Yeah, there's also reports about Mike Pence was a misogynist during this debate. I didn't see it, but I don't really blame you if you did. Uh, personally, I just think Mike Pence was a robot. And mind you, Kamala Harris's performance... I can see how it turns some people off. I, ju I just want to be clear. If you did not like Kamala Harris's performance, I understand. She was often smug. She was smirking. She was spending most of the debate just kind of chuckling, truth be told. Like, if you thought she looked overly arrogant, then and you did not like that, that's fine. Okay? And if you preferred Mike Pence's more calm, composed way of speaking in tone and not much else because Pence was making very bombastic claims and blatantly violating rules in the process, then, you know what, I can kind of understand, but the people who were saying this was a slam dunk for Pence, I have no idea what they're talking about. As of right now, a quick poll taken by CNN just the night of the debate, found that about 58% of people thought Kamala Harris won. And by the way, not only does Joe Biden have a 10-point lead in the most recent Fox News poll, 
But also, even if, because there are also undecided voters, only 4% of voters marked themselves undecided. It was, or third party for that matter. It was 43 for Trump, 33 for Biden. So even if, even if all of those remaining undecided go for Trump, that's still only 47% to Biden's 51. No, that would be, yeah, that'd be 47 to Biden's 53 or 54. Um, so there are a lot of issues with the way our current poll system where Trump is really far down. And let me tell you, I don't think this debate really changed anyone's mind. It might have even moved a few people to the Biden direction. Now, Mike Pence had a very interesting tactic last night, and that was don't shut up until Susan Page absolutely forces you to. There were various times where he was clearly, blatantly, Going over the time, which also resulted in him having just slightly more speaking time because they had to make up for it by giving Harris more time. And one part where, despite him not even being allowed to speak at that part, he just started ranting about how bad Kamala Harris was. This is not the attitude of someone who's calm or collective. This is the attitude of someone who's just five seconds away from not even hulking up. This is the attitude of someone who uh, has a double life, and that other life is the life of a mobster. I think Mike Pence is a secret mobster, is my point. I don't know how I came to that conclusion, but, well, actually I do, even though I just came to it about five seconds ago. But do you guys really think I'm wrong? Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. You can't prove me wrong, now can you? And even in spite of constantly going over time, that didn't change that Mike Pence still didn't want to quite move forward with the debate. Uh, there were various parts where Pence would be asked a question, and his answer would then start with, I'd like to go back to what I was previously saying. Here's just one example. This is the example where I actually looked over at my dad and we both just started laughing. So here's what Susan Page asks. This is from the transcript provided by USA Today. So Susan Page asks Pence, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, what would you want Indiana, that's the state he's from, that's the state he was governor of, to do? Would you want your home state to ban all abortions? You have two minutes uninterrupted. Now, Mike Pence is a hardcore pro-lifer, Okay. He's best friends with people like James Dobson of Focus on the Family fame. And Rush Limbaugh even said on the floor of Congress, he wants to implement Rush Limbaugh's values to the United States. So it would have been very easy for him to say, well, yes, I would personally like that um, because I believe life begins at conception and just all that. And if he wanted to, he could have even thrown in a but you know what? I would not force any state to ban abortion. If California wants to have it up until birth, that's fine. Which is, by the way, a very common conservative position. That's the position Antonin Scalia had, for instance. So how did Pence respond? 
Thank you for the question, but I'll use a little bit of my time to respond to that very important key before. The American people deserve to know Qasim Salamali, the Iranian general, was responsible for the deaths of hundreds of American servicemen. What the hell does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with anything, Mike? Was Somali secretly a Planned Parenthood doctor? Because that doesn't make you look any better, by the way. Just, just so you know. Just so you know. So, what was Mike Pence's answer to that very simple question? That question, let me remind you, was, if Roe v. Wade was overturned, what abortion restrictions, if any, would you like to see put in place in your home state of Indiana? He didn't answer that. After he was finished talking about Somali... He started going on about the Barrett nomination. Again, he didn't actually answer that question. And that's particularly funny because he demanded that it be put on record when Kamala Harris ignored his question. It wasn't Paige's question. It was his question related to court packing. Okay? Uh, and by the way, for those who don't know, there's this idea that was made up almost whole cloth by the Republican Party, by the way, that if Biden gets in, the Democrats are going to expand the court to give them a wider majority. Now, mind you, there have been Democrats that advocated for expanding the Supreme Court. The only one, however, who was even close to powerful who had any impact on the 2016 campaign was Pete Buttigieg, or 2020 campaign, sorry, was Pete Buttigieg. And even then, by the way, he said he wanted to expand the Supreme Court to 15 people with five Republicans, five Democrats, and five independents. So that's not stacking the court in its favor, that's permanently giving you guys a third of the court. That's ignoring parts where Pence was just downright lying, like, like here, like here. The swine flu arrived in the United States. Thankfully, it was ended up not being as lethal as the coronavirus. That is a lie. Swine flu is actually more lethal and had a higher mortality rate than COVID-19. The thing that made COVID-19 so dangerous, but not swine flu, was not that COVID is more lethal, it's that COVID is more contagious, much more contagious, in fact. Or how about this? Senator Harris is denying the fact that they're going to raise taxes on every American. Joe Biden said twice in the debates last week that on day one he was going to repeal the Trump tax cuts. Those tax cuts delivered $2,000 in tax relief to the average American of four, family of four across America. And me and Jeff Bezos have an average wealth of $26 billion. The fact is, if you remove every sunset provision, every provision that is going to expire in 10 years, the bottom half of their country, or of the country, had their taxes raised by the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. Ain't that Orwellian? Or how about this while talking about Kamala Harris's record as a DA? When you were district attorney in San Francisco, when you held that office, African Americans were 19 times more likely to be prosecuted for minor drug offenses than whites and Hispanics. When you were attorney general of California, you increased the disproportionate incarceration of blacks in California. You did not pass, you did nothing on criminal justice reform in California because she was a prosecutor for most of that time. She was not in a position to override the federal laws supported, might I add, by people like Mike Pence. In 2013, 
when Mike Pence just became governor of Indiana, there was talk about reducing drug sentences for mar for people um, who were caught with marijuana. Mike Pence lobbied against that and defeated the bill himself. But, okay, Kamala Harris became a district attorney in 2004. You entered Congress in 2001. You've had more power than her for much longer, and it's her fault she endorsed the bullshit laws you and your Republican buddies cooked up? Or this one's my favorite. Lose the trade war with China? Joe Biden never fought it. Joe Biden has been a cheerleader for communist China through over the last several decades. Through over the last several decades. I, I know he was impromptu, but still. And by the way, Mike, just want to say, Joe Biden didn't fight a stupid trade war that we're losing that has been a complete drag on the American economy. That has been a failure, no matter which way you look at it, is not the slam dunk argument against Joe Biden that you think it is. Anyway, uh, here's a story from Reason. House antitrust report hits Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google. Of course, they always end up hitting the companies that allow us to communicate with each other and find information. Uh, just, just a weird coincidence. Surprising absolutely no one, U.S. lawmakers, who have been tossing whatever claims of bad deeds they can at big tech for a good while, are now angling for antitrust charges that they say are necessary to rein in Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. On Tuesday, the House of Representatives Antitrust Committee put on a 450-page report on the subject, suggesting that all four companies were too big for their britches, and that if laws didn't currently ban their business, it should. The report is the result of a 16-month-long investigation on the House Subcommittee on Antitrust, Commercial, and Administrative Laws. As part of it, Representatives, or, yeah, Representatives Bard, CEOs of all four companies, was insane and irrelevant questions in a public hearing. Because this is who I trust you run here, and I had, um, some of the oldest people alive. The investigation also included seven other hearings and obtaining of, quote, 1,287,997 documents and communication test communications, testimonies from 38 witnesses, a hearing record that spans more than 1,800 pages, 38 submissions from 60 antitrust experts from across the political spectrum, and interviews with more than 240 market participants, former employees of the investigative platforms, and other individuals, as well as discussions, quote, with industry and government witness, it states. Whether we're talking a smoking gun or a needle in a haystack, that should have been sufficient to find it. Instead, representatives seem to have given up pretending the investigation makes sense on traditional antitrust grounds. So you heard how long? A 16-month investigation with over 1,800 pages worth of records just for hearings alone. And they still couldn't find a single law that was actually being broken. There's scant evidence of elements historically necessary for an antitrust violation. Rather, lawmakers are pushing a major overhaul of antitrust actions using these companies as a test case. The new House antitrust report calls for, quote, for sweeping changes to federal law so that government regulations can bring Silicon Valley back in check. Um, again, again, these are 
New regulations that nobody wants. We've read the studies before. The vast majority of people do not give a shit if the company that owns Facebook or Google is slightly too big, according to the government. They really don't. Uh, but no, this is a combination. This is not just normal grandstanding. I want to make it clear. We've been covering this kind of plot to destroy the internet for a while now. Now, you guys may remember in 2012, the Stop Online Piracy Act, or SOPA, which was so bad that it caused websites like Google and Reddit to black out, specifically in protest. People were furious. I have said in the past that if SOPA were to have been signed into law, there would have been a second American Revolution. I have no doubt about that. I really don't. Well, since then, the Overton window is the entire goal of the anti-internet movement, the anti-technology movement, has been to shift the Overton window more and more so that you just have to hate the tech companies. You just have to. And of course, the reason they're doing this is not for actual altruistic purposes. They're doing this because they hate the information and the communication the internet brings. You know how much harder it is to lie to a politician or for a politician to lie to you when you can Google if a statement is true? You know how much harder it is for them to flip-flop when you can go to YouTube and find them saying the exact opposite thing 10 months ago? You know how much harder it is to get public support for a war or for an isolationist policy. And make no mistake, the psychopaths who run this country within the Trump administration are isolationists at the end of the day. They want to move us towards global isolationism. They do. That's their end goal because then we'll be the easiest to control. Because that's how we're the easiest to control. It's the first thing a domestic abuser does. They isolate you from a support network. They isolate you from friends, from family. They want this nation to be purely isolationist where the only contact we can have is maybe with the person a couple neighborhoods down, if that. Um, specifically, specifically, because then we'll be the easiest to control. That's what it comes down to. That's why the second Microsoft started getting a little bit too popular, they threw an antitrust suit against it. And by the way, Senator Orrin Hatch directly admitted in an antitrust hearing in the 90s where Bill Gates was present that the main reason they're doing that is because he's not involved with the government. He's not. And then the next day after he said, you stay out of your business or you stay out of my business, I'll stay out of yours. The Attorney General Janet Reno filed an antitrust suit against him. Um... There are other examples of this. This is also why, remember when a few Twitter accounts were hacked? Josh Hawley and a few other populists, and by the way, Josh Hawley is going to be leading this. Make no mistake, it's going to be Josh Hawley and Andrew Yang are going to be the two people who are kind of leading the neo-Luddite isolationist movement. I am going to guarantee that now. I know Yang is going to be involved, but I'm not sure how. I know Hawley is going to lead it if we aren't careful. Like this man, we only need to survive a few more years with him in the Senate. He's going to be up for re-election, I think, in 2024. And hopefully we can get him out. 
Because, oh my god, Josh Hawley is just... He's the one leading this massive isolationist conspiracy. He is. He's one of the people who's leading it. And he just came out of nowhere from Missouri, entered the Senate, and then all of a sudden just tried to move the Overton window in a direction most of the American people had no interest in. Most of the American people don't want. He's incredibly unpopular. Like, he only won because the only reason Claire McCaskill was even in the Senate seat he took from her was that she got lucky twice. So who is this guy? What power does he think he suddenly has when he just entered in the Senate not even two years ago? And then already, before he was even six months into his first term, he was making headlines as this big trust buster. No idea who appointed him this. No idea who gave him this power, but somebody did, and now everybody's just going along with it. Because that's the overall goal here. That is the end goal here. Okay? The end goal is to make you as easy to control as possible. And the major ways they're going to do that is limit access to information and limit access to other people. That's what they're going to do. Same tactics as the domestic abuser does. Um, and going back to what was said before, that they're going to completely rewrite antitrust laws just to make this suitable. In the Washington Post, the report recommends a significant overhaul of the federal government's antitrust powers, including making it illegal for a company like Amazon or Google to give greater weight to their own products in their online marketplace. How would you determine something like that anyway? Other suggested changes would empower consumers to bring lawsuits and give new legal tools to the Justice Department. Of course that's who they're giving tools to, because it's not you. You don't get the power. You know, you buy something on Amazon, you want the money to go to the person selling you the product and maybe some to Amazon. You don't want it to go to the Justice Department or the FTC, but that's what they're doing. This is what it's all about. It is all about empowering the government and then making sure it has the tools necessary to properly shut down any and all dissidents. Because that's what that's what this is. It's gotten to the point where we're so corrupt. You really think WikiLeaks could have happened pre-internet? I mean, it was near impossible for the Pentagon Papers to get published. You really think that WikiLeaks could have happened? You really think Edward Snowden's leak to the Intercept could have happened? No, they couldn't. And that's what they want. That's what the people in power want. They want you to not know what's going on. They want you to be completely ignorant. That's why they're also pushing this narrative. They're attacking TikTok, of all things, despite the fact that headquarters for TikTok's in California, not in China, claiming that's a weapon of the Chinese Communist Party. The same Chinese Communist Party, by the way, that directly said they wanted Donald Trump reelected. And for that matter, that Donald Trump praised when they were putting Muslims in the concentration camps and just coincidentally, the same day that came out, he signed sanctions into law about that. Just, just as you do sometimes. I'm sure it was just a coincidence. It's pathetically obvious what they are doing. It is pathetically obvious what's going on here. I mean, this is, to put it simply... An attempt at the biggest government takeover of all time, and the only reason they're doing this, they're not going to admit it. They're going to say it's about protecting the consumer. The reason they're doing this 
is authoritarianism. They do not like the fact that you can use the internet. They do not like the fact that you can find information about anything under the sun. They don't like the fact that you can talk to people, including some of the people in the countries they want to bomb. They don't like those facts. They don't. They don't. They would much rather it be much harder to find information. They'd much rather that you can not talk to anyone in a different state, let alone in a different country. And they are specifically making sure to chip away at the internet as much as possible because that is the main thing standing between them and an obedient population that will go along with any and all forms of authoritarianism they put down. And that's why I stand up as a defender of the internet. That's why I am a massive defender of the internet. That's why I'm a massive defender of social media. Okay? That's why I'm a massive defender of video sharing sites. That's why I'm a massive defender of so much the internet has to offer. And that's why they don't like it. They don't want you to be informed. They want you to be stupid. They don't want you to have relationships with people unless they're pre-approved and close enough in proximity that they couldn't hurt them. Uh, this is the end goal. Okay, this is the end goal right here. Massive amounts of authoritarianism and secrecy. And war, that too. I mean, seriously. Seriously, it's pathetically obvious when they're directly saying, yeah, they don't violate current antitrust laws, but we should probably rewrite them until they do. Eventually, we'll get there eventually will get there. You really think they're not going to... You really think they aren't going to try and shut down the internet at some point? You really think that? No, that's what SOPA was supposed to be until it was stopped. And luckily that failed, but that doesn't mean they stopped trying. They just started playing the long game. This is it. We're nearing the end of the long game. Okay? We are almost at the end point of the long game. And if people don't start waking up soon, we're going to have a really bad future, I'll tell you that much. Anyway, last thing for tonight. This is from Reuters. You may remember earlier I said the issue of expanding the court was made up whole cloth by Republicans. That's basically still the case, but today, Joe Biden played into it a little. From writers, Biden says he would reveal his views on expanding Supreme Court post-election. Uh, oh man, guys. Oh man. You know what he's saying. He's saying that it may change revolving certain circumstances, or revolving around certain circumstances, and that he's not going to commit to it just yet. Uh, oh no. <laughs> I mean, at this point, the Republicans are so obviously only going to use Barrett as a way to rig the election. That's why they're pushing Barrett through. That's why they're rushing her through, by the way. While at the same time saying any result doesn't mean that Trump winning the election is rigged. Because then... The people, well, because then they can make an argument that it was, and they can go to the Supreme Court just like they did in 2000. That's why they picked Barrett, who worked for George W. Bush's legal campaign and Bush v. Gore. 
guys remember that? When they stole the election from Al Gore back in 2000? <laughs> oh, man, guys. Joe Biden said he wouldn't commit to his position just yet. Um, it, well, yeah, it's a contentious issue. It's a contentious issue, and Joe Biden is probably being thrown so much information at it, mostly from people who think he's just going to do it, on the opposite side of the political spectrum, um, that, yeah, he couldn't commit to something. I'm sorry, but that happens sometimes. He's admitting he doesn't know the ins and outs of whether or not this would be a good idea. Uh, this is the article. Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden said on Thursday, Americans will learn his position on increasing the number of justices on the U.S. Supreme Court if he defeats President Donald Trump in the November 3rd election. Following Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death on September 18th, some Democrats have, pre have pressed Biden to consider, quote, packing the court with liberal justices if Trump's Republican Party fills Ginsburg's seat ahead of the election and creates a 6-3 to three conservative majority. Uh, which, by the way, I, I should just note, is completely constitutional. Like, that, that is totally constitutional to do. Okay, that is. That is. The court has been expanded before. You know, Mike Pence said just last night, we've had the same number of Supreme Court justices for the past 150 years. Well, I hate to inform you, Mr. Pence, but America wasn't founded in 1870. Founded about a century before then. How many did we have before exactly? Was it nine exactly? Oh, no. Yeah, this has happened before, guys. It wouldn't be the end of the world. It wouldn't be some massive move like Republicans are playing. This has been done by various administrations. Abraham Lincoln even went so far as to lock up judges who disagreed with him. And you're seriously going to tell me that, oh, this is an unprecedented move. No, this is just playing politics. That's it. This is putting the Republican Party on edge. That's what he's trying to do here. What he's actually trying to do, by the way, I should note, is he's trying to put the Republican Party kind of on edge. Okay? You know, he's trying to, because nominating Barrett is extremely unpopular. I think it's about 70%, 60 or 70% say they want to wait till after the election to confirm Barrett. Um, so, essentially, what he's doing, the only reason Republican politicians are even considering this, is because that Supreme Court nomination would be there, or Barrett will be on the Supreme Court basically her entire life, until she retires 30, 40 years later. Meanwhile, if they lose the Senate, they can get it back in the midterms. In fact, they're very likely to get it back in the midterms. Or they're at the very least likely to get back one House of Congress in the midterms. Because that's typically how it goes. The party with the presidency loses seats in the midterm election. Um, so essentially, what Biden is saying is, hey... You can do that if you want, but maybe that won't even be worth it. He's trying to put them on edge. He's trying to play with them. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. I really am. I'm sorry, but if you want to play, Republicans keep saying we're going to play hardball. That's why they need Barrett on the court, because they're going to play hardball. 
Well, it's not called Easy Ball. It's not. It's not called media, Medium Ball either. It's called Hard Ball. One of the reasons it's called Hard Ball is because it should be really, really hard to do. I'm sorry, but it's true. It's true. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, it, it, they might have a little bit of trouble playing hardball. They might have a little bit of trouble trying to rig the election in favor of Donald Trump using the Supreme Court. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. In fact, if they even attempt such a thing, if there even does become a Supreme Court case regarding the election and Biden still ends up winning, if it's even a possibility, I'd support packing the court. I genuinely would. I genuinely would at that point. Because what are you doing at that point? You're using it, the court, for the purposes of basically just your own game. And I'm sorry, I'm against that. And you know what? Republicans could have offered to do the same thing tons of times. Anytime they've had power, if they want, they could attempt to do the same thing. They really could. They could, if they truly wanted to. Republicans did that, and I think it was North Carolina. They tried to decrease the amount of judges so a Democratic governor couldn't fill as many. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can do that. Nothing's stopping you. Oh my God, Biden said that they'll be punished if they try to rig an election. Yeah, that's what you deserve. Uh, where was I? Trump has criticized Biden for repeatedly declining to provide his view on the matter. On Thursday, Biden told reporters that he's revealing, reviewing it now would distract voters from focusing on Trump's nominee of Amy Coney Barrett to the top court. Well, yeah, that too. Uh, the moment I answer the question, the headline in every one of your papers will be about that, other than other than focusing on what's happening now, Biden said. Okay, that argument I don't like. That argument I don't like. You're supposed to be running for president on the position of what's not happening now. Okay? Your entire thing is, I'm not going to be what's happening now. Any policy proposal you come up with is going to be what's not happening now. So no, I, I don't like that argument personally. But you know what? That's just that's a me thing, if you will. Uh, Biden has said that because the election is only weeks away, the winner of the of the contest should be the one who picks Ginsburg's successor. Democrats say because the Supreme Court justices hold their seats for life, a 6-3 conservative majority could threaten access to health care, abortion, and civil rights, and could rig the election in favor of Donald. They aren't talking about that. They aren't talking about that. They'll occasionally, Republicans will admit it. Ted Cruz said in an op-ed for Fox News that the main reason we need to fill Ginsburg's seat is, as he put it himself, in the case of a Butch v. Gore scenario. We all know what that means, right? That means a state with a Republican governor or with Republicans in major positions of power votes Democrat because the Republicans have been screwing them. And it's by a close enough margin where they just invalidated enough votes and they stop a recount for just long enough, they can stall and they can win. 
That's what they did in 2000. That's how they stole the presidency from Al Gore and gave it to George W. Bush. Okay? I'm sorry. and No, I'm not sorry. Why the fuck would I be sorry? This is clearly a plotted election rigging. There's no way around it. This is clear as day. A plot to rig an election. They're admitting this right in front of your faces, and Democrats are just not saying it. That should be the one question every Democratic senator is asking Barrett. It is, if there is a Bush v. Gore scenario, how would you vote? That should be the only question that matters. Would you vote with Trump? And if she gives any answer besides no, nothing else, just one word, no, I would not vote with Donald Trump on this, then she should be immediately filibustered. She should be any process possible that could stop her nomination should be used. Unless, of course, advocating for it would get me banned from anchor. Uh, then don't use that process. Only processes that I can advocate for using and still get this podcast distributed by Anchor.fm should be allowed, uh, should be used to keep Barrett from being on the Supreme Court. I think that's fair. I think that is a perfectly fair way of looking at things. Uh, anyway, that's it. That's our show, and good night.